good morning. Uh, like Matt said, my name's Thad Lanthrop. I'm the executive pastor here at Church in the Valley. Glad that you all are with us as we are wrapping up our message series um, that we're calling The Proven Playbook, where we've been taking a look at key plays for Church in the Valley. You know, in fo- in a, on a football team, they have their go-to plays, and they um, go to these plays when they need a big first down or when they're trying to score. They have plays that they know our players have certain strengths, and if we do this, we can, we can get what we need in this situation. In church life, we have our go-to plays as well, although ours aren't based on our own strengths. They're based on um, the Bible and what God has shown us how to relate to each other and relate to the church. And so we've been looking at those. The first four weeks, we focused on relating um, to others, relating to um, people here at Church of Valley and, and beyond, how to have good relationships. So let's take a look at just a quick review of where we've been so far these past four weeks in the Proven Playbook message series. Play number one was Others Before Me. And in this play, what we really looked at was putting the goals and interests of others um, above our own. It's this, this idea of sacrificial love is what we looked at in that play. Play number two was discretion, not deception. The key idea here is really integrity. We're matching up what we're saying with what's really going on in our life. It's not full transparency, um, but we are uh, matching up how we're doing with what we're saying. And then play number three was the feedback loop. Um, and this play was giving and receiving scriptural correction. Really what this is, is speaking the truth to people in love, to be a help to them, to encourage them. And then play number three was peace if possible. That was clearing up relationships, making peace. Um, we have all these messages on our website. You can go to churchinthevalley.com and you can, you can listen to them. We also have a podcast you can search for um, to, to catch up. If you missed any of these messages, they sound like you want to um, listen to them, I encourage you to do that. The plays that we've looked at so far, they've all been relating to others. They make relationships enjoyable over the long haul um, if we consistently practice them, if we put them into practice. Today we're going to look at three more plays, and these relate to how we relate to the church. They're commitments to the team here at Church in the Valley. As we shift our focus towards these team commitments um, that God has for us in, in the Bible, I want to ask you to do something. There's a handout in your program. Um, go ahead, take that out. You can follow along the message. Take notes if you'd like. Um, but I want you to think through. Think through a, a work team or maybe a sports team that you've been on in the past or now, or maybe you were in a band or your family, or um, maybe there's a team at church that you think Pick a specific team that you've been on in the past or maybe you're on currently and write down in your handout, what were the commitments that you had to be on that team? Just take a few moments, think through, you don't have to write it down if you don't want to, but think through what were some of the commitments to be on that team? You probably wrote down or thought of things like show up on time. You had to be there. You know, in high school, I was on a baseball team. We practiced five days a week or played games or sometimes on the weekends too. You had to be there. Actually, one time, our first practice of 
the season was always a long day. And so we would practice in the morning, we'd go to lunch, and then we'd practice um, in the afternoon. Well, we were all late coming back from lunch. That was not good. We ran a lot. And it's not fun to run after you've just eaten lunch. That was not a good thing. So there's commitments to be on time because it impacts the whole team if you're, if you're late. Um, another commitment you might have thought of was to do your part of the work. My final capstone project in college for my business degree was a group project. We had to work on a 30-plus um, page paper uh, and presentation where we all had to research different things, write parts of it, and people had to do their part. If they didn't, it hurt the rest of the team, and then you're staying up all night working on things that weren't, wasn't your part to do. Another thing, maybe follow the leader or the coach. That might be another team commitment that you thought of. There's many times at work where I think, you know, we should go one direction. I voice my opinion in a meeting, and then we end up going a different direction. And I have to switch, and I have to make that happen, even though it's not the direction I wanted to go. There's probably more commitments that you thought of as you were thinking about a, a team, but what the commitments do is they answer a question about how your team is going to fulfill the mi- mission that it has. And the plays that we're looking at today answer different questions about how God expects Church in the Valley to fulfill the mission that he's given us. Before we dive into the plays, I want to just take a step back and look at Church in the Valley's mission. Let's look first at Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe All that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In this verse, you see some major goals that God has given Christ followers. One is to make disciples. That's to to help people come to a relationship with God to, to follow Jesus Christ. We need to communicate that as a church. We need to communicate that Jesus Christ was God's son, and he lived a perfect life, and that he died on the cross for our sins to save us. From those sins. And we need to invite people to experience a relationship with God. Another thing we need to do is help people to learn how to live life God's way. That's another big part of the mission that God has given us. Now, that's a broad, overarching mission that we can see, we can find in the Bible that He's given to, to all churches, all Christ followers. But the way that Church in the Valley sees our part in this is by inviting our neighbors to discover Christ through his life-changing community. We want to invite people into the community here at Church in the Valley. And as we practice the proven playbook plays that we've looked at, people can see that it's really God's power in our lives, that we can relate the way that we can, because we can't do it on our own. We want to point people to Christ as we do that. To fulfill this mission... They're just ways that God calls people to commit to the church. And what I want us to see today is that there's a, part, there's a part for you to play in the kingdom of God. There's a part for all of us to play. Now, what we're looking at today, it's written to people who've already made Jesus the boss of their life. It's, it's written to Christ followers. And so if you are a Christ follower, then I just want to encourage you to Take a look at, at what God's called us to commit, 
to commit to and, and see if there's things that you want to commit to as well based on that. If you aren't yet a Christ follower, the hope is that you can get a picture, get a glimpse of what it's like to follow Christ and the purpose and the meaning that comes from a relationship with him. So let's take a look at play number five. Play number five is participate in the ministry of the church. We're going to look at some sections in the Bible that were written by a man named Paul. And Paul was a first century church starter. And so these are some some letters that he wrote to different churches that he helped start. So let's take a look at a a letter that Paul wrote to a church in modern-day Turkey. Take a look at Ephesians 4.16 with me. It says, From him, the him is Jesus, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. Take a look at that. The way God has wired the church together is that it grows and builds itself up as each part does its work. To another church in Rome, Paul wrote this. Just as each of us has one body with many members, it's talking about our physical bodies, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. So what we see here is that God has put us all together at a church, but we all have different strengths. And we can use those to serve each other and serve God and his mission. Then 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. This was uh, written to a church in modern day Greece. It says, there are different kinds of gifts but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God who works all of them in all men. Each of these letters are to a different local group of of believers, a different local church. But all the same things are being communicated. And that's God works in and through the church as its members participate in the ministry. On a football team, there's 11 guys on offense, 11 guys on defense, and they're working against each other to to either stop or to advance the football. They all have different positions. They require different strengths. Some of the positions get more attention because they have the ball, and to the casual person, that's, you know, you, you watch the guy with the ball. But when they work all together, they can advance the ball down the field. When just one guy messes up his job, it can mess it up for the whole team. Take a look at this football play and how the announcer shows us how it all works. Great job, Ross, breaking down the slip screen. Let's take a look at it here on the monitor. You know, screens are going to be a big part of this offense under Doug Peterson. Again, coaching under Andy Reid, screens of any variety were certainly important to the offense. And what we're going to get here is we got De'Anthony Thomas here on the outside. We got Travis Kelsey right there, and we got Jeremy Macklin. These guys are important because they are the point men on the block. Why I call it the slip screen is that we got left tackle Eric Fisher here. He's going to slip Von Miller, the pass rusher. These guys think they're getting at the Alex Smith in the backfield. Meanwhile, DeAnthony Thomas is going to have three blockers out here in front of him. And watch how nicely this play develops. I think it's a great job allowing the Denver defenders to get upfield. And then DeAnthony Thomas, with his speed and quickness, he's able to read his blockers, get behind them, and cut off of them. 
But again, the most important thing are these three guys getting out front and giving different colors for DeAnthony Thomas to sort of get behind and then run through. Great job of the blockers getting out front, quickness and speed from Thomas on the outside. One of my favorite plays, the slip screen. Pretty fun to see how the play works. To me, I see a guy running with the ball, and that, that's how it works to me. But in that play, only three people touched the ball. The center hiked it to the quarterback, quarterback threw it to the guy. But none of those three guys were pointed out as being the key to the play. It was the three guys that were running and blocking down the field were the key to the play. But if just one of those guys didn't do their job, something like this would happen. Rush gets home and Donald's got his first. Pressure again and a sack for Aaron Donald. All right, so I had to slip some Rams highlights in there. It was a rough week last week. so. But I wanted to show you these highlights to emphasize that there's just an importance in everybody who's on the team. If one person doesn't do their job, it can mess up the whole rest of the team. This type of teamwork that happens uh, through the team commitment of joining in Church in the Valley's mission, it, it happens all the time through groups, service projects, um, it happens through the care that people receive different times in their life. A great way to see this kind of teamwork in action is Sundays here at Church in the Valley. Research shows that people make up their minds if they're going to come back to a church between 4 and 11 minutes when they show up on a church campus. That means that people have usually made up their decision if they're coming back to here long before they're in this room. And so... The way that the parking team greets people out there and shows them where to go. The way that the greeting team engages people as they come on onto the Church in the Valley's campus. Is the way that the uh, hospitality team sets things up and greets people as well. The way the kids are checked in. And before all that, the way that the operations team sets everything up. These are all huge roles at Church in the Valley that people play. But a lot of times, those jobs, they don't feel important. feels like you're just waving to people as they're going by or setting up a chair or moving a table or whatever it may be. But the truth is that each person is a key part to helping someone prepare themselves as they're coming to hear from God in this room or as they're investigating a relationship with God. It takes the whole team playing all of the different parts to make it happen. I'm saying this not to minimize the work that the band um, does and the practice that they put in or the the message um, that, that goes on. But I say this to encourage that everybody has a key important role on the on the Church in the Valley team. And we see this again in first Peter four ten. It says each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. We want people to use their gifts here at Church in the Valley. But a lot of times what we've seen is people just join a team and get serving. And as they're serving, they start to see more and more ways of how God has made them and how they can help out at Church in the Valley. So I want to encourage you to to join a team and to figure out the best way to serve as you are serving 
here at Church in the Valley. Some of the things that happen on Sundays, they, they're not necessarily anybody's gifts. They're just things that need to get done. But they're crucial things that need to happen so that people can hear from God here at Church in the Valley. And it turns out that as you're participating in the ministry, it has an impact on other areas of our lives as well. Take a look at a video from one of our topic group leaders, Tim McClary, and what he's found as he's participated in the ministry. One of the things that I noticed when I first came to Church in the Valley was how many people actually served and were participating in the ministry of the church. So many people would help uh, set up on Sunday mornings and tear down and do all those types of things. But then there was also a lot of people that would serve by helping people move and providing meals when people needed them. And it was a it was a challenge to me to get involved and be and take part in the ministry. And as I have over the years, as I've started to take part in the ministry and do those and serve in different ways, one of the things I've learned is how it impacts all the other areas of my life. Uh, specifically, an example is work. Uh, as I work with excellence, which is one of the things I learned on the teams, um, I've seen how it has given me favor with my boss and allowed me to advance uh, in my career. And so it has been such a blessing to take part and serve at Church of the Valley. There's attitudes and habits that you can pick up while serving that can help you in all the other areas of your life. So play number five really shows us, how. okay, how do you get anything done in church life? How, do you, how does anything happen? Well, it's through, through Christ followers, through God's people, as they sacrificially serve and, and help out the mission of the church. But another key piece that we all get to be a part of is supporting the work financially. It's play number six. You know, simply put, it costs money for a church to accomplish its mission. We pay for rent here at the school so that we can have the Sunday service, a way to invite people to join in what we're doing here at Church in the Valley, a way for people to hear about Jesus Christ and and what it means to follow him. We pay for rent at the office um, so we have a place to work. During the week, also have training meetings there at the office so people can learn God's ways. We also pay for the salaries of those who work at church so that um, they can help set the direction of the church and to lead people. Pay for different ways to get the word out. Let more and more people know that we're here. We want them to join in what's going on at Church in the Valley. We also use a portion of the, of the money that we receive to send out to different ministries locally, regionally, across the world. Um, We sent out over $70,000 just last year. And supporting the work financially, it's a key thing that God asks us to do. We see that in 1 Corinthians 16, 2. It says, on the first day of every week, each of you is is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. So in this verse, you see the play of supporting the work financially. You see people setting aside a sum of money and then giving it to support the church. That brings up the next question, usually, which is how much money do I use to support the ministry of the church? And the Leviticus 27.30 says, Every tithe of the land whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. 
Now, this verse is using crops as a way um, to describe the tithe. Now, most of us aren't farmers, so that translates to money um, nowadays. Um, But a tithe literally means a tenth. So God's telling us to give a tenth of what we earn to the Lord. This is how the church accomplishes its mission financially. As people give to the church... The church has the responsibility to use that money to further the mission. Now, it might seem awkward for somebody who gets paid by the church to be asking or telling about the teaching of the Bible, about giving money to the church. But, you know, this is part of what I need to do, too. I'm not exempt from giving to support the the ministry of the church. And I would be doing a disservice to not mention this because money is a big part of our lives. It's a big part of what um, we, we have to use money to support our families, to, to pay for things. <clears throat> and the Bible talks about where our money goes, that's where our heart goes as well. And I found that to be true in my life. I grew up with this play um, in practice, so I, I would get my allowance and I'd take my tenth of coins or, or a dollar maybe, if it was a good week, and I'd put it in the little globe that we had that was our, our collection thing. But it wasn't until I graduated college where I, and I started to have bills and real financial responsibility that I started to see, wow, that's 10%. That's a lot of money that I'm giving away. And at first, each month, I'd go to write the check and... I would just think, you know, there's a lot of things I could use that for. There was a lot of things I could take that money and, and pay off our student loans or set up a nice little emergency fund or whatever it may be. Real fun things. That gives you a little glimpse into my personality. <laughs> I'm saying all the fun stuff that I would use it for. But it was really, it was, it was a decision each month. To make, you know, i got to give it. But as I chose the discipline to give it because I knew it was the right thing to do, what God did was he softened my heart towards giving to the things of God. And it became not as much a chore, but it started to be fun to give money to support the ministry. And when you're giving, you're investing in eternity. You're not just giving money to the church. And so now when I give, when I submit my tithe, this is the picture that I see. It's a crowd of people. Sure, the money goes towards a lot of different things. We talked about those. But ultimately, what the money is investing in is people. It's investing in pushing the mission forward, helping people to come to know Christ. And the amazing thing is that just like with the participating in the ministry, the way that God has wired supporting the work of the ministry is that we will be blessed in our giving. Take a look at Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. I've experienced this to be true. So we've taken God seriously, supported the work financially. Our needs have been met and then some. We haven't had the nice fancy car or a new house or things like that. Maybe we will someday, maybe not. 
But God has taken care of our needs. He's taken care of us every step of the way as we trust him with our finances. As people give their resources towards his purposes, they're blessed for it. And the last play that we're going to look at in this Proven Playbook series is play number seven, follow spiritual leadership within scriptural limits. The word follow, it's not an easy one. You know, there's, there's a lot of reactions we have to follow, especially if you've had a bad experience with a leader in the past. Some people are very uncomfortable with the idea of following. In fact, you know, in sports, some players, they can't be, they can't be coached. They're not going to follow the coach and do what the, the coach says. Some cross the line, like this guy. They don't like the plays, the calls, the strategy, the decisions. He's choking out his coach. That's not okay. Now, in church life, this likely isn't going to happen. At least I hope it's not going to happen. But poor following, it can creep into our lives. So we have this final play, this play number seven. God uses spiritual leaders who call us towards the vision that God has for our lives. If you were to join a group or volunteer here, you'll start to interact with leaders, and God has actually set up that leader-follower dynamic to propel progress and shape our perspective. You've got to have somebody leading to make it happen. I want you to take a look at how Jace Albright, who's one of our topic group uh, leaders here, take a look at what he saw, how he saw this play when he first started coming around Church in the Valley. Heart Attitude 7 encourages to follow spiritual leadership within scriptural limits and make it a joy for them. And Hebrews 13:17 that goes along with it tells us that uh, by making it a joy for leaders and not a burden, it's not only helpful for them, but it blesses us in, in turn. It's, it would be of no advantage to us to make it a burden for them. Uh, when I, w- I grew up in the church, and I've been a part of a lot of small groups and things in life, and I didn't think much of it until I first came around Church in the Valley, and I was encouraged to be a part of a group because they said that's where you really start to see the hard attitudes in action and others practice things. And when I joined a group, I was really impressed by how so many people uh, just took initiative to take care of things. People came early to set chairs up. Um, People brought snacks and brought drinks and brought coffee and stuff to share with everyone um, to take care of things. People stayed late to clean up and put chairs back. And uh, people really tried to help free up the leader um, so that he could focus on leading the group and making it it easy and uh, doing a really good job. So in contrast to other groups I've been a part of where people really just come to take here with what people put into effect the hard attitude in the community groups I've been a part of in the past, the Church in the Valley, people really sought to make it easy on the leader and make it a joy to lead the group. And in turn, the leader was able to do a very effective job with much less stress than some of the other leaders I've seen in groups in the past. Um, So by making it a joy for the leader, they um, in turn uh, got a better – better time out of the group, and we're blessed in turn. What he described there was great, perfect illustration of what it means to follow spiritual leadership uh, within scriptural limits, and the progress that can be made when we do that well. Everybody can line up behind the leader and push forward together. The verse he talked about was Hebrews thirteen seventeen, which says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you 
as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. All spiritual leaders, they're going to have to give an account for the decisions, the interactions, the instructions that they give to people. Their accountability is before, it's before God. It's true for me, for the staff here at Church in the Valley, for our volunteer leaders, um, which we have quite a few of those. We'll, give, we'll all give an account to God for our leadership. The challenge is when you're not the leader, to follow well and from the heart, and not to drag your feet on the field, slowing down the progress of the team. Probably not going to go after the coach and try to choke him out. But we might just make it a little bit harder for him to do his job. And that's the challenge that we all face. Sometimes we don't like the plays being called. But when this play is done well, it just brings us tremendous amount of momentum on the team. The limits of following a leader are there's boundaries to a leader's influence that they can have in your life, the way that they can lead. Um, the Bible gives all kinds of boundaries for things that a spiritual leader um, can uh, tell you to do and cannot tell you to do. The types of limits are, um, there's just things that a leader can't tell you to do. He can't tell you who to get married to. He can't tell you um, all kinds of things that you can find in the Bible. But there's tons of boundaries um, in there, and so that's protection for the follower. There's protection in following spiritual leadership within scriptural limits um, because the leader doesn't get to go out of bounds and start running your life. That's just not how it goes. But the problem that we have with leadership typically is we think, if I disagree, then I can disobey. If I disagree, I can disobey. I don't have to do it. But that's not really typically the case. Usually our disagreements aren't on biblical principles. They're, just, they're usually preferences that we think should happen a different way. It is as we follow the leaders over us that we can get that real momentum going. And we can really accomplish the mission that God has given us. That's, that's all the place in our Proven Playbook series. That's all seven of the plays that we have to look at. It's really amazing to see how God has set up the organization of the church that us imperfect people can participate in the ministry. We can support the work financially. And we can follow the leaders. Those are really, they're, they're not easy things to do, but they're doable. We can all do those things. And they are the things that allow us to invest in eternity rather than just spinning our wheels trying to get the most out of this life here. I hope you all come away from this message series and the message today encouraged that you can play a key part in advancing the mission of Church in the Valley forward and overall the, the kingdom of God. In God's kingdom, everyone is significant. There's no insignificant people or roles in the kingdom of God. May we all play our roles well. Each week at Church in the Valley, we have next steps that we like to encourage people to take in response to the message. And the band's going to get ready behind me. 
Um, but I'd like you to pull out your uh, connection card, uh, as well as on the back of your handout, there's some next steps that you might want to take in response to the message today. One thing I want to make clear is that as we talk about um, committing to the team here at Church in the Valley, as we talk about participating in the ministry, supporting the work financially, Church in the Valley is not going to pressure you to do that. We're not going to pressure you um, to be a part of the team. But what we want to do is allow you the freedom to join with us in what we're doing. What you find in the Bible is that God has given us tremendous freedom. He's given us freedom to choose to have a relationship with him. He's given us the freedom to choose to reject a relationship with him. And so we want to give people the freedom here to join in what Church in the Valley is doing um, at their own pace. The Bible is very clear for what he wants Christ followers to do, to participate in the ministry, support the work. And my experience is that the more and more you do that, just the, the sweeter life is, the better it has been for me and my family. So as we look at these next steps this morning, think through. What's, what is it that God wants you to do in response to the message today? Is there a way that God is showing you that he wants you to participate in the ministry by fill in the blank? Maybe you've been around for a while, you want to join the Sunday service team. Or maybe you can't commit to a team just, just yet, but you want to help out once a month. Write that on your connection card. We'd love to talk to you to figure out a way that you can join in what we're doing here at Church in the Valley. Or is there a way that God's encouraging you to support the work financially by, again, filling the blank? Maybe a tithe just seems like a huge jump from where you're at. Giving a whole tenth seems like a big jump. I want to encourage you to just pick a percentage of your income. And start giving that regularly to God. And ask God to grow that over time into the full tithe. As you do that and trust in him, he'll help you to grow into that. Maybe you're already at a tithe, but you sense God's telling you he wants you to to give him over and above the tithe. If that's it, write that in as your next step. Or is there a way that God is encouraging you to follow spiritual leadership by fill in the blank? Maybe God brought something up as we were looking at spiritual leadership and you want to change the way your pattern of relating in that and you want to to do that. Imagine being on a team that regularly does the proven playbook. They put the goals and interests of others before themselves. They live openly and honestly. They give each other feedback to be a help to them. They clear up relationships when things are messed up. Each person does their part on the team, support the work financially, and they follow leadership within scriptural limits. That's the type of team that we want to be here at Church in the Valley, and I I invite you to join us in that. Let's pray as we continue to worship. God, we just thank you so much for these plays that you've given us for relating to each other, relating to the church, and uh, we ask for your help to put them into practice. They're they're just plays on a piece of paper until we actually live them out. We ask for your help in living them out and and doing them. Just pray that you would help us each to take our next steps with you, whatever that is, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.